take your Bibles and turn with me for our scripture reading for our sermon text today in the second Sunday of Advent. Our scripture this morning is Hebrews chapter 9 verses 27 and 28. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. I ask if you'll please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. This is God's holy word for us as people. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless our time in this holy, inspired, infallible word. Would you write its truths upon our hearts today and fill us with joy in believing all that you have to teach us. And may we go from here with a burning desire in our hearts to be all you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. For the majority of people, the most important day in the month of December is obviously the 25th, Christmas Day. But now back in 2017, seems like a long time ago, go back with me, December 2017, for a large and vocal minority, the most important day in December was the 15th. Not the 25th. Now, what happened on December 15th, 2017? Why was it so important? Why was it so exciting that it overshadowed even Christmas? Well, that was the opening day for the newest Star Wars movie. (laughs) Called The Last Jedi. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan, nothing is more exciting than hearing that music, that first note at the opening of a Star Wars movie, a brand new one in the theater that you've never seen, the release of a new movie. Christmas can't beat it. Easter can't beat it. The second coming would have to wait until they roll credits. It's that important. If you're a Star Wars fan, nothing gets better than that. Too bad that movie was a flop, but <laughs> but before you saw it, you didn't know it was going to be a flop, and you were very excited. Now, think back with me to that original trilogy. The very last movie that came out before The Last Jedi was called Rogue One. Now, that movie ended, spoiler, that movie ended exactly where the original film and that original trilogy started where the whole series begins. And the very last word of dialogue in Rogue One is the word hope. And that sets up the original film, which is called A New Hope. Princess Leia sending the message to Obi-Wan through R2-D2, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Princess Leia in that first movie thought that the new hope was 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what was a good guess, but we know that's not who the new hope was. You know who the new hope was? It was Luke Skywalker. He's the new hope in the first movie. And then in the last movie of the trilogy, he brings that new hope to fruition where he wins the big battle at the end. And so it's like that, that first trilogy, it's like the first coming of the new hope is the first movie. And the second coming is in the third movie, the return of the Jedi, where the victory is finally won. And of course, right in the middle, you have the dark period of tribulation where the empire strikes back. Now that's the original trilogy. Now, this may be a pretty humorous illustration, but you know what? I think that that pattern of that original Star Wars trilogy, first coming, tribulation, second coming, I think it's true. I think that pattern is true to history, and I think it's true to life, true to our own lives. The famous author Stephen King once said this, Fiction is a lie, but good fiction is the truth inside the lie. In other words, good fiction is a made-up story that captures something. It captures something deeply true in an imaginative and creative way that resonates with something inside us that knows and feels that truth. The story of Star Wars is made up. It's a creation of George Lucas's imagination. But the story is so striking. And any other fictional tale that you just love, any other fictional story is so striking and it's so captivating to us because those good, good stories are built on something deeply, deeply true that we connect with and that we feel. In the original trilogy, the deep truth, the truth inside the lie, is that pattern of first coming, tribulation, second coming. And that brings us to the first point of our two points this morning. You and I, point one, are currently living in the middle of that pattern. In that Star Wars pattern, we can see the true story the true story of Israel under the Roman Empire waiting for the Messiah to come the first time for their new hope. We see our world today suspended between Christ's first coming and His return under what Paul calls this present evil age in Galatians chapter 1. And we can also see our own lives as we journey through this earthly existence between the day when Jesus saved us and that day when we shall see Him face to face. Advent is the time when we reflect on this truth, when we remind ourselves that we live in the middle looking back on what God has already done for us and looking forward to what He will do when Christ our Lord comes again. In our passage, the author refers to this middle ground where we live in the meantime. Look at the passage again, verse 27. He says, Just as it is appointed for man to die once... 
and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Scripture locates us in this passage in the middle of history. We look back in time at the first coming of Christ, an event that changed how the whole world tells time. Christ literally defines what time it is. When you say, oh, 2020 again, here comes 2020. 2020 what? A.D. Latin for the year of our Lord. Jesus came and he split history in half. Where we literally, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Christian, Buddhist, whether you're American, or whatever land you live in, it's 2020 everywhere. Christ tells the whole world what time it is. Christ decides when it's New Year. Christ decides what the date on the calendar is. He's literally telling all of us what time it is. We live in the middle of history, a history that Jesus Christ defines. This is His time. It's the year of our Lord. We remember that when He came that first time and split history wide open, in that first coming, He accomplished our salvation from sin. That's what it says in verse 28. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. That's what He came to do. That little child in Bethlehem's sweet, precious manger walked with God in a perfect life of sinless innocence with His Father. His meat and His drink was to do the will of God. Every step He took, He did it in submission and surrender to the will, the absolute will of His Father. And He never took a misstep. He walked that path. And He did it for us and in our place. And He bore all our missteps on the cross. All of our sins. He took it upon Himself when He offered Himself as a sacrifice. And He bore those sins. And today we look back. Living in the middle, we look back and we see He is our Savior who bore our sin. And we trust in Him to save us. And by faith alone, what He purchased for us is ours. We also, from the middle, can turn and look forward. And we can see that He promises to return. He made good on the first promise. We have every reason for absolute confidence that He's making good on His future promise. And for now, we wait in faith. This passage also locates us not just in the middle of history, but in the middle of life. Look again in verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. On every tombstone, I heard an old preacher say this. Maybe you've heard this before. On every tombstone, there are two dates. The day you're born, the day you die. And between those dates is a dash that connects them. And your whole life is in that dash. Time moves so fast. I remember in high school when I was about to graduate and adults would tell me, now, as soon as you get out of school... Time is just going to start flying, and the years are going to stop coming. 
and they're not going to slow down. And the older you get, the more it feels like it's time is receding away from you, like you're walking towards it and it just keeps getting farther the more steps you take. Time's moving so fast and it feels like it's a dash to the end sometimes. But that's where this verse puts us. It reminds us that we have an appointment to keep. It is appointed for man to die once. In a hundred years from now, everyone in this room and every one of you watching will be dead. And a whole new congregation will be sitting here, the Forks Church. A whole room and watching online will be a brand new congregation. Life is fleeting. We get this puff of air for these few years. It's a dash in the middle. And we live in the middle. After death comes the great judgment, we're told. It is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment when you and I must stand before the Lord and give an account for what we did in the middle, for how we lived, give an account for our life. And the good news of Christ's first coming, Christian, is that the birth of that holy child in Bethlehem's manger means you do not have to dread that day. Oh, this is the glory of Christmas. You do not have to dread anything at that judgment day. That child is the son, not just of Mary, but of God, who bore our sins on the cross. And if you know him, you know the king. If you trust in him, you're trusting in the judge who's responsible for making the verdict. And if you trust in Him alone for your eternal salvation, you can actually look forward to that day because you know the judge has already ruled in your favor in Christ on that cross. That's what justification by faith is all about. The verdict has already been passed for those who put their hope in Christ. Now this takes us to our final point. As we live in the middle by faith, looking back on Christ's first coming, we should also be a people who looks forward in faith as well, longing for the day when our Lord returns. When Jesus comes again, who do you think He's coming for? Have you ever, you ever just stopped and pondered that question? When Jesus returns, who's He looking for? Who's he coming back for? Look at verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save who? Those who are eagerly waiting for him. Is that you this morning? Are you eagerly waiting for Jesus to return? Are you longing for that? What's at the top of your Christmas list this year? We all want a lot of things at Christmas. We all expect to get a lot of things at Christmas. But at the top of our list should be, Oh Lord, I remember your first coming. Go ahead and come on back. Oh, come on back today, Lord. 
I mean, I have plans and dreams and hopes, and I love my family and my kids, and I, and I want to do this, and I have goals, and, and, and life is sweet. Walking with you is excellent, but oh, Jesus, oh, come on back today that we can be with you. No more this foretaste, but give us the real thing. Come on back, Lord. Christian, you ought to be like that. Longing and looking, waiting and watching, pleading and praying for God to send His Son back to us, to deliver us at last from this present evil age, to finish the work He started when He came the first time. And as we wait and as we trust, we are called to prepare ourselves to meet the Lord. We prepare ourselves as we live in the middle of this, as we live in the middle time and we long for the end, not only by eagerly waiting, but we prepare ourselves also by earnestly obeying. Listen to these words. This is of Second Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. Peter says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, speaking of the return of Christ, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Or as he says in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in Him without spot or blemish and at peace. We are to keep ourselves holy and to grow in godliness as we look for our Lord to come again. We want to be found pleasing in His sight and busy doing His will when He comes to judge the world. Advent is the season when we remind ourselves of these vitally important truths. This is the time when we remember the first coming and fix our faith upon the second coming. And guys, here's the main lesson that I want you to take away from this sermon this morning. When the Father sent Jesus the first time, He did it as an answer to the prayers of His people. His people... We're waiting and watching and praying that the Messiah would come. And God heard those prayers. And in His own good time, according to His purpose, He sent Him into the world in His first coming. Because His people prayed. And guys, when the Father sends Jesus a second time, it will only be because we are waiting and praying for it. This is what Advent is all about. It is a call to watch and pray that God would send to us our Lord a second time to wrap it up. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you guys to use this Advent season to begin praying for Christ's return. I don't know how often we do this. It's probably not something that we regularly pray for, for Jesus to come back. But guys, the people in the New Testament, they were praying for Jesus to come back. And we should be doing the same. So I want to encourage you 
Use this Advent season to begin praying for Christ's return, to set your hope fully upon it, and to live in such a way that you are earnestly obeying and eagerly waiting for Him. Because those are the ones He's coming back for. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks and praise today for your word. And I thank you that we have the hope of the first coming of our Lord. I thank you that he accomplished our full, final, complete salvation. And that we can look to him in faith and know that the judge has already found in our favor. There is nothing to dread. There is nothing to fear in the future. You have already overcome death. You have defeated the enemy who held the power of death. You have vanquished our last enemy. The grave cannot hold us because it did not hold you. Death is not the last word. Life, eternal life in Christ Jesus will be the last word. And we ask you, O oh Jesus, come back to us. Even today, Lord, Interrupt this service. Stop me mid-sentence. Come on back today and give us hearts that thrill at the thought that one day we will see you face to face. Give us joy and longing as we wait in the middle. May we eagerly wait for you. And may we earnestly obey in the meantime, setting our hope fully on your soon return. Lord Jesus, we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen.